Welcome to an all new episode of Connections to Experience. Today we are talking about how childhood dreams are turning into a $1.5 billion industry here in 2020. I'm here with Danik Inselman, Key Account Manager at LG Electronics, to talk about esports as an industry, how it is growing in viewership greater than HBO and ESPN and others combined, and what schools are looking out for in the future. Welcome, Danik. Good morning. So really excited to have you on the podcast today. Esports, we have touched on in a couple of episodes in the past, but not really gotten a deep dive on the industry itself, its growth, and what the potential is that's out there. And I think a lot of that is because people don't really understand how esports is actually a thing. So why don't you give us a little bit of a bio, who you are, what you do at LG, and uh, what brings you to the podcast today? Sure. So again, my name is Danik Inselman. I'm the key account manager at LG for Connection. And I've got a couple of degrees, some are related, some are not, but a BS in business administration, but a specialty in computer science, a bachelor's in theology and certificates in robotics from Alan Bradley, the same people that put parts into the space shuttle. I'll be testing for my CTS shortly. So that's my related credentials. But I've been in an industry for more than 15 years. And more importantly, I'm an avid gamer. This is kind of like a dream. Ooh, we have we have a gamer. We on. do have a gamer. So, awesome. yes. So forget everything else. You just are a gamer. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what we need here. <laughs> and so this is kind of a lifelong dream come true. So I'm glad to talk about this and looking forward to the podcast with you guys. Awesome. So I just want to say, so I've been uh, covering esports a little bit here in Connection, and we did a podcast not too long ago mm -hmm. um, on esports. We had a bunch of our gamers that got together and started just chatting about what it is, you know, as an industry. And it was really, really interesting, you know, not only to hear the growth of this, you know, and the roots where it started, but just how it starts to include a whole sect of kids that normally were left out of quote unquote, traditional sports. And now they have an opportunity to participate on a team level. They have an opportunity to participate in something that's much bigger than just a 12 team sitting in front of computers playing games. So I would love to hear from a gamer's perspective, you know, what is this like out there right now? What's it, what does it feel like to a gamer? So I was at a trade show last year and I cannot tell you how much bigger of an audience, how much more excitement there was around this trade show than there was at like a Bruins game or wow. a, yeah, a, a football <laughs> game or anything. I've been to plenty of those. I'm a huge Bruins fan, but this was huge. We're talking hundreds of thousands of people. And the funny thing is they're very colorful. You can say dressed up as gaming characters and everything else, but this is a very fast growing industry. You're was this at in an arena? You were... Yeah, it was PAX Northeast. I was at last year and there was literally hundreds of thousands of people in and out dressed up as gaming characters, comic book characters. So, th so this was an arena. This was a trade show that you were at. Uh, correct. Yeah, okay. we were showing off some of our new monitors. 
in partnership with a lot of folks in the industry. Wow. Yeah. So I think what I find, cause, and Rob and I chatted about this before, cause esports, it took me a really long time to kind of wrap my head around. It's almost like I heard about it when I was in, you know, high school, and then this period of time went by where the industry just grew and grew and grew and grew. And I had no knowledge of how, how big it grew. Like I read that in 2019, it had an audience of 194 million people. The prize pool alone in 2019 was over $113 million. And this is the one that really blew me away is that by 2022, the esports audiences will reach 276 million people, which is similar to the size of the NFL. And 79% of that audience will be under 35 years old. I mean, that's an industry cash cow when you look at the demographic and the participation happening within the industry. Yeah. And the funny thing is you'll see traditional sports are kind of in decline as far as viewership and the average age is growing. And this is a brand new kind of fresh start to sports and the whole industry. As a matter of fact, some of these major sports investors and companies are now turning from traditional sports to esports and gaming. So I wonder with the, everything that's going on in the world right now, do you think that this is going to have a major impact mm. on esports? Do you think we're going to see a rise because you have a lot of the other traditional sports shutting down, but where this can be held in a, you know, more of a confined space or even online? Oh, it like started as virtual. It yeah. was like, that's all it was. And then they pulled people into arenas. So Danica, I'm just curious from your perspective, what do you think that the world situation right now is going to do to the esports world? So if you're talking specifically about the COVID-19 situation, I would say this is probably the most likely to grow in, in this time where everybody's kind of sitting at home. It is something you can do in the privacy of your own home or in, in remote locations. You don't have to physically be in person on site, although that is also trending. These shows are packing large arenas, which obviously probably isn't going to happen in the near future, but we expect that to grow as soon as all this is kind of done and over with. Yeah. I have a stat here too I want to share. I thought that this was amazing. There's about 8 billion people in the world and they're saying right now today there's 2.5 billion gamers. Does that wow. sound right? Wow. That sounds about right. That's an <laughs> incredible stat. <laughs> so let's kind of find out why, I mean, that is amazing. And like just the fact that the audience is going to grow, you know, to the size of the NFL and the viewership is greater than HBO, Netflix and ESPN combined. Why does gaming matter so much? What has made it sort of catch fire? You know, I know it's been a progressively growing a sport and industry, but why? What, what are some of the kind of underpinnings of esports? So the investors are really following where the money is going. And you have to understand that the target audience is the under 35 for most advertisers out there. And that makes up the majority of these competitors and the spectators. In addition to that, this industry is supposed to be roughly $1.5 billion this year. And that's all brand new. It's, it's not shifting from other places. It's, mm, it's a brand a new point. industry. Yeah. Normally you have, you have like the rise of a platform or an entertainment and it, like you're saying, it pulls from one source and just moves it. It cannibalizes another industry. And this is all net new. I didn't even think about that before. Right. 
And so with that, I think you kind of alluded to who are who are some of the players in the gaming industry? We really know, obviously, you've got the demographic that plays. You've got investors that are seeing an opportunity uh, for new business growth. But, you know, who else would you identify as a quote unquote player? Well, in this situation, I would include nearly everybody. The reality is I can't go anyplace without some kid on their cell phone playing some platform of of gaming competitively. I think it's growing across all levels. Even my parents who are approaching retirement, I've caught them gaming a few times. (laughs) (laughs) Does that include like Candy Crush? Would we call Candy Crush gaming? I would, although I think... I think that was a couple of years ago. I, okay. Yeah, I'm always a couple of years behind. So, you know, actually what I play now is Diner Dash, Okay, which I also played when I was a kid, but now it's on my phone Just and I get real competitive. Like I funnel money into that game so I can get on leaderboards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck in Pong still. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Rob still has his, his Atari set up. I do. <laughs> this joystick. But I mean, I mean, like, I think it's more of uh, you're saying everyone, but like what goes into if people are thinking esports, they're thinking people sitting in their houses on their gaming systems, you know, connected via headsets and all of that. But when you start moving this into an actual competitive sport and you have colleges starting to implement programs, which means you have high schools starting to implement programs. Who's sort of trailblazing that? Like who's bringing all of this together? I mean, is it really... Yeah, where's it all initiating from? And my thoughts are, you know, it's definitely coming from the school level. And I think the birth of this really started with the high ed as far as it becoming a valid practice. So let me kind of back up a little bit, because what really happened is this was a hobby for most people, and this was just a form of entertainment, and it kind of developed into, with the massive multiplayer kind of types of games, it turned into a very competitive thing online, where everybody was remote, and when people realized the types and the sizes of the audience online, they realized they had something here. And so a number of years ago, probably five or six years ago, this turned into something that was more of a professional situation. People were looking at sponsorships. They were looking at competitive types of arenas and competitions and things like that, where the dollar amount that the winner would take home was kind of in line with a professional athlete. And wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, a so, lot some of the purses that are out there were crazy. That's not, I mean, I hate to say it and it, not that it's a bad thing, but has it become a thing because of the amount of money that stands to be made from it? I, I would say so, because now you're including a whole segment of the audience or a whole segment of well in the U.S. that was not part of the traditional sports, not right. part of all that stuff. So there's whole new groups of people that can be included in this. And so when colleges start to see the opportunity here, especially those with a focus on technology, Mm -hmm. they kind of latched on to this huge opportunity, this huge way for including this whole segment of the population and actually realizing childhood dreams like mine. (laughs) So, but We've got a a partnership actually with a university called Caldwell and uh, they're based out of New Jersey. We've been working with them for the last couple of years. Caldwell set up a huge arena and outfitted it with dozens, hundreds 
of LG displays, but professional gaming systems, along with a bunch of large format displays, really to set this up for that competitive landscape. They're trying to develop their teams, one of the first to do so, and we expect many, many more to follow and that's a huge partnership for us. So I look at LG and I look at eSports as an experience. And it's amazing how the displays and the monitors play such an important role in eSports. So how does LG play in that arena? Are you guys providing super large displays? Do you have specific arenas that you guys are already in that you can talk about? I'd love to know, again, from that experience point, what do the monitors do? What do the displays do for esports? So just like other types of professional sports, it's all about milliseconds and that competitive advantage. Anything that can shave off a few seconds or increase your response time gives you that edge over your competitors. And the focus from LG is is always to provide the best technology there is out there. And currently we've got three monitors that were announced last year. There's a 24, 27 inch and a 32 inch 1080 and QHD resolution. But there's a whole bunch of other features that are really important for gamers. So 300 to 400 candela, depending on the model, that's brightness, anti-glare, up to one millisecond response time and up to a 240 hertz refresh rate. I mean, these are professional displays with a three-year warranty that's designed specifically for these professional environments. I've never even thought of, I learned that last year for the first time. I just assumed a display is a display, is a monitor, <laughs> is a monitor. And, and a printer's just a printer, And a printer's right? just a printer. <laughs> Can you sometimes believe that I host a technology podcast? <laughs> I learn so much from these, but what you're saying, like I couldn't even, my brain couldn't even fathom the fact that, you know, shaving off a millisecond could mean the difference between someone winning or losing yeah, a that, that massive competition. Latency, is, it's all about the latency. Yeah, I mean, I understand like the gaming system, like and how like the processors and the computer and that like operating, but I never thought about how that would transfer to a monitor and how that could be a competitive advantage or disadvantage. Well, and the refresh rate too, I would, I would you say 240? That's, that's amazing. My, you know, I think ours at home, you know, a standard one, is, it was at 80. 75. I'm going to start blaming any lack of productivity on my poor monitor. <laughs> well, it's, it's, and sometimes you don't notice it that much until you get right. something that has a refresh rate like that. You know, when you're looking at something that has a 75 megahertz refresh rate, it hurts your eyes. Mm. And then when you get up to that 240, I mean, it's just like, wow, it's incredibly crystal clear. And you get that real HD experience, which I'm sure all the gamers are looking for. Yeah. And, and the key thing is you don't want any artifacts and you don't want screen tearing. A lot of these things that happen with a traditional kind of business class monitor, these are very high end of the Ferrari, I would say, of desktop monitors. And I've got a, a funny story. So my director and I are both gamers and we enjoy the first person shooter style games. And I can't tell you how many times he's invested money into increasing the capacity of his system and how many times that has resulted in a, a sniper shot right in the back of my head on the game. <laughs> <laughs> so I told him I need a raise so I can get some of these monitors. <laughs> so it's all about the monitors then. So if I just get a good monitor, then I could be a competitive gamer. Is that what you're saying? I would say the dream is definitely there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm in, I'm all in. <laughs> 
Oh, I like that response a lot. <laughs> but here's the holy grail, and I probably shouldn't be telling you this, but oh, uh, do tell. it is out of the box as of right now. Coming later this year on the, the business side, we're going to have a gaming IPS monitor. It's kind of the holy grail in the industry because IPS is considered one of the best technologies for reproducing images, but it wasn't known for being very fast previously. So that later this year, keep your eye out for some 27 and larger IPS, very fast IPS, one millisecond response times. Wow. There's the yeah. T's. Yeah. Did we just get our uh, first did. exclusive on yeah. the Connection to Experience podcast? We did. We got we the T's right from LG. All right. Yeah. So that's coming. Make sure you pre-order now. Because <laughs> <laughs> it'll be flying off shelves. I mean, we've when you look at the growth alone between 2019, 2020 and the projection for 2022, we laugh. But, you know, as schools are building out these arenas, we have some in our, our backyard here that are doing the same thing. And universities, you know, across the, the board are going to start doing this. So you should pre-order now. Yeah. And I mean, really, in, in the next two years or so, this is going to be a $2.3 billion industry. And the people that are really interested are making these decisions and, and looking at the technology right now. 200 colleges this past year offered almost $16 million in scholarships. And wow. yeah, I even hear that the Olympics is considering this esports to be an Olympic event. I no I, way. I thought they already did it. I thought they already already made that an Olympic sport. Did I hear that wrong? It could be. The last I heard, they were going to test uh, in Tokyo. Yeah, they're they're testing in Tokyo, but they're planning for the Paris games to have it be a legit ah, sport. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that is is huge. If you need any other reason to make this a legitimate sport, you're gonna miss the boat. If all the colleges are looking at right. this, they're gonna have needs that they didn't have previously. So they're gonna set up specific spaces, they're gonna set up equipment. You're talking PCs, you're talking desktop monitors, it's not just LG that's gonna be there. And large screens, you're talking hundreds of thousands of spectators, and they're not all going to be on their computer. They're right. going to be looking at very large screens in arenas to watch all the action. And the, the streaming, too, is a big part of sports. So you have, you know, uh, Discord, you have Twitch, you have Facebook gaming, mm -hmm. you know, you have all those different platforms. Speak to that a little bit in regards to streaming being such a big part of the, the sport. Yeah. The, the funny thing is, Twitch and YouTube gaming have a larger audience uh, when we look at the numbers than HBO, Netflix, and ESPN combined. Incredible. Uh, yeah. And I also hear that ESPN, because they've kind of long been intertwined with the, the gaming industry, that they will probably have their own sponsorships and, and their own programs. Wow. So I've already watched eSports on ESPN. <laughs> I found myself, you know, I wanted to get to learn more about this. And I would sit down, I think on Saturday morning or afternoons, they have eSports tournaments that you can watch. And I'm there watching these guys. I'm clueless. I'm like, I have no idea right. what they're doing. And then the next thing you know, it everybody's up and cheering what they want. I'm like, wow, I just see this big puff of smoke and you know explosions and then they cheer. But it's just that, I mean, it, it's a phenomenon. I really am having a difficult time wrapping my head around it as well. 
Well, it's a revolution. Everything is like, and that's why, you know, the fact that it is a whole new revenue stream, it's meant to kind of blow your mind a little bit because it's never been here before. We've never had something like this. You know, we alluded to it earlier, how this is creating opportunities for kids who, you know, would never go into a traditional sport or couldn't make it in traditional sports. But I have a question for you and you might not know the full answer. So your opinion is perfectly fine. When I think of sports, it's almost like as you go through high school, college, and then you're trying to make it in professional sports, your opportunity gets like slimmer and slimmer and slimmer to make those teams. And then once you are finally on a team and you're making, you know, national sports money, uh, which isn't always as much as people think it is, but you have a physical limitation at some point where everything going on with concussions, with people tearing their knees, tearing their shoulders. The physical impact in traditional sports is so great. Do you think that conversely with esports, the lower risk of that might get kids who wouldn't have necessarily been involved in esports starting to look at that instead of their more traditional physical sport counterparts? So I would agree. You've even seen in the recent years specific tournaments and things set up for people that have physical limitations just to include them into sports of of some sort. Mm -hmm. There's a lot less limitations physically, although I will argue that my age has not increased my abilities in any way. I'm constantly getting beat by five and 10 year olds (laughs) at every kind of game because I've got three kids in the house and they are making me look like an 80 year old man. <laughs> yeah, the speed of skill from upcoming generations definitely is something to compete yeah. <laughs> with for sure. So do you think for that reason, is that why it will be a short, not short lived, but what the average NFL player like it's an anomaly if they're in their 40s. They're usually retiring in their their mid 30s. Unless you're a Tom Brady. Unless you're a Tom Brady. We won't talk about that. There's like, <laughs> no, there's massive things going on I on the know, internets right now. But uh, you see people retire out of regular sports at a certain age. Are you going to see that in esports because of just the skill level versus an injury? I suspect that the younger generations are just going to continue to get better and better. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've grown up with the technology. However, I've never seen a gamer stop playing. So even after competitive sports, I think the industry is going to continue. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe they'll have senior leagues. I was going to say, <laughs> I was gonna say, imagine once this whole, like, you know, people in their forties and fifties that were in competitive gaming, they're going to be teachers. They're going to be setting up their own organizations. One of the neat things I saw for charter schools recently was a school of aviation for high school. So you went and you learned flight planning. You learned the the technology behind it. So you were actually learning that skill in high school. Think about, you know, 20 years from now, you could have an e-sports charter school where that's your focus and you're getting your basic academics and that will all be led by, this is my idea here. It is, <laughs> it is March 7th. 17- 2020. No. <laughs> but you'll have these former e-gamers, you know, if this industry grows, there's a whole new market out there for education of it. Right. It's really exciting. Yeah. And a lot of those people really get interested in kind of the nuts and bolts of gaming as part of their progression through the ranks here to include things like game design and programming. And even some of them have told us that they're going to be coaches for these sports leagues and and working for the university. So there's a lot of 
peripheral kind of occupations mm-hmm. um, around the industry. Yeah, such an exciting topic. And I, I think it's one I could sit and learn about for hours just because it is so evolving and growing within the education system and the really the entire industry like LG with monitors and I mean, network capabilities, all that. So it's really, really interesting. So you said you have a partnership with Caldwell University. And, you know, if we're looking at schools that maybe are trying to get in this space and trying to develop a program, how do they start engaging with the LG team to sort of build out this concept for themselves? So a lot of times, if they're smart, they start at the ground level and really analyze the technology, the product, get the recommendations from the industry. There's, there's industry standards that most people follow. The video cards, the, the processors, they all have recommended products. And that kind of puts people at a, on the same playing field, so to speak. But after that, it's really about who do you trust for the technology. A couple of the universities have come to us after having purchased lower end products, consumer grade stuff, and seeing high failure rates. LG decided specifically for that purpose that we were going to create a line of business class desktop monitors that will last through the harsh environments that they're putting these through in the competitive situation that they're in. But in addition to that, a lot of the schools are looking for the splash, the draw for bringing students in, the competitive gamers, just like the NFL team would bring in kind of the hot shots from high school and, and send out recruiters and, and things like that. Colleges are doing the same thing. And so these arenas become centerpieces for the school. And you're mm. going to see a lot of technology go in there. You're going to see a lot of big screens. You're going to see a lot of cool stuff to lure these students in. Excellent. So if you are a, actually, I would say down to elementary school, if you are any sort of education institution and you want to start having conversations about your esports program, building that out, getting the right equipment in place, or if you are already down the road, reach out to your connection account manager at www.connection.com. You can also, as uh, Danik shared with us, the holy grail of gaming monitors is coming soon. So be on the lookout for that. And we will provide you as much information as Danik allows us to in those conversations. And on whatever platform you are listening to us on today, please make sure that you like, follow and share and leave us a comment if you like or email us at podcast at connection.com. Danik, thank you so much for coming in. Rob, thank you so much for jumping in and co-hosting today. I know this is one of your favorite topics as well. Yeah, you bet. And Danik, we'd love to have you back on the podcast sometime once we see numbers continue to grow in the industry. So thanks so much for coming on. Well, thank you. 